This is Brian's story. Welcome back to the Six Feet Above podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode because we're going to kind of pivot a little bit from mental health to physical health. And I'm joined by author and physical therapist, Dr. Brian Yee. So thank you for joining me on this beautiful Wednesday morning here in Atlanta. Thank you, Megan. I'm honored to be here and, and just a joy to be able to talk to you on this podcast. Your, your podcast has been great to listen to and it's just your, your mission and your ability to let people tell their stories and share the information to other people Thank uh, and you. other people that share their stories right. so they can hear it. It's, it's actually just need the collective um, learning environment you create uh, that's thank open you. and honest and uh, a trusting environment. So I appreciate you. that. I appreciate that. And actually, Brian is is kind of like a referral. So it's crazy now that I've been doing this podcast for a few years and my guests are starting to refer me to other guests. That's right. So that's how we found each other. And I was like, okay, well, let me... You know, I always do kind of like a quick pre-interview. I'm like, can we chat on the phone? Because obviously most of my guests I have not met until they sit down in the chair. And when we spoke, I was like, oh, this you would actually be a great fit because most of my episodes, we do talk about emotional trauma. And when I got talking to you as a physical therapist, you basically said to me like, yes, emotional trauma can manifest physically in people's bodies, which... I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that's talked about much yet. Correct. I would definitely say that. I'd definitely say that people itemize physical pain to be a physical orthopedic, like right. x-ray quantified on x-ray versus emotional trauma pain right. is more internal, internalized in your brain. Right. Uh, there's definitely a combination uh, or, or combined effects to each other. Which I think is the hardest, um, kind of going off topic already, but... That's the hardest part about mental health is you can't take a blood test or see in a CAT scan or, you know what I mean? It's really hard to prove that somebody has depression or that they have bipolar. So I remember when I was young and they diagnosed me with depression, it's, it's embarrassing because you can't like prove it. It's not like, Hey, I have diabetes or I have like something that can actually be seen by a doctor. It's something that we have to assume because you are acting and thinking and feeling a certain way. So it's um, it, that's I think that's why it gets this huge stigma. So let's um, just introduce yourself. So what is your background? Yep. What are you doing here in Atlanta? And why <laughs> did you choose this route? I'm just gonna let you take the floor. Your turn. <laughs> well, that's a that's a loaded question. I know. I can go many different directions. Uh, Brian Yee, physical therapist. Um, I'm originally from Southern California, Huntington Beach, Orange County. Yes. I lived in LA for seven years. Awesome. What part? Um, I lived in the Valley and then I lived on the West Side and then I ended up back in Sherman Oaks. Wow. Yeah. Valley girl to West Side. Yeah. Yeah. And then I lived in Boston. I'm from upstate New York and now I'm in Georgia. Very good. So like depending on who I'm around, I could have a different accent. Got it. So my wife's from Buffalo, by the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, And that's how we live in Atlanta, actually. My wife and I, we are three kids and uh, she's a pediatrician by trade, but she works the CDC. Wow. So she's public health epidemiology. So she's been really busy for three she's years. She's been really busy. It's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been a very interesting yeah. uh, journey we've yeah. been through and the great work she's done. It's been a blessing. Gosh, to, maybe we need to get her on the podcast. It's, it's, I'd I'd love to hear her story. story to tell. Yeah. It, okay. It, there's, there, there are very many lanes there that could be told there. Great. Um, anyway, so we've been here, uh, 17 years, okay. since 2005. Uh, thought I was going to be here for a year or two while my wife is in a kind of advanced training program at CDC. And then thought we, uh, I met her on a blind date and moved here for her because she was here already. So you met her while you were in Huntington in California. Beach? Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Was in, I was in Upland, California. Kind of, I was working out in in in, in more the away from the, the beach area. But sure. Got set up on a blind date and <laughs> moved out here for her, thinking we'd be here for a year or two. Oh and, my gosh! Uh, even though she's from Buffalo, right? Uh, her sister lives in California as well. That's how we kind of met through arranged blind dates with our sisters, and uh, end up. Uh, thinking we we're going to move out to California, start a family out there, and we decided to stay in Atlanta. So it wow. was, you know, 17 years later, and three kids were all born here in Atlanta, and I have my own business. Uh, it, it's we're kind of here, wow, and uh, it's it's our home now. So it, it's been a blessing, and it's been a joy to have a family and community, and yeah, not like biological family, but family of community and, sure. and things like that. Sure, so. sure, sure. So, have you always been interested in the physical body and the way it moves and the way, like, what's your? Yeah. So my, my <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you my whole story. Is, 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 no, I'm Sorry, my, my 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 expanded version there is I'm the youngest of four kids. Okay, and the theme is symmetry. So mm. um, my dad, my mom, and then my two bro- my two sisters, and my brother. So two boys, two girls. Okay, dad was a pharmacist. Yep, uh, owns Yeast Pharmacy in Long Beach, California. Okay, uh, started it 50 years ago. 
my brother, who's a pharmacist as well, uh-huh. and my other sister's a pharmacist too. Wow. My other sister's a, pharma- a physical therapist. Okay. So there's two physical therapists, two yeah, pharmacists yeah. in the family. Uh, my sister, who's a pharmacist, her hu- her husband is a physical therapist as well. <clears throat> and wow. And he and his twin brother are, are physical therapists as well. So there's all these physical therapists, all these pharmacists. And I was the youngest. So I majored in UC San Diego as an urban studies and planning major. That was oh. an architect. Oh. Um, and that didn't fall through. So I kind of followed <laughs> the family trade and found the physical therapy. Okay. Um, and so in that, I just pursued physical therapy. And I worked as a technician. Uh, before I went to PT school, and I remember in Long Beach, the the um, the my employer who worked for, uh, uh, I was working for took off a year. He goes, "I'm going to take off a year, and I'm going to Australia." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and he goes, "I'm going to Australia because that's where the best of the best physical therapists train." And really? I'm like, I had no idea what he's yeah, talking about. And yeah. so he took off for the year. His the assistant director took over as a spot and managed the clinic while I was there. And I got into PT school at Northwestern in Chicago. And right before I got to leave, he actually came back about, about three or four weeks before I left the job to go to grad school yeah. in Chicago. He came back and I watched him work. And I was like, this guy is different. Like he's wow. like, he's like, this experience in Australia was life-changing clinically uh, for me. And he was a really good therapist already. His yeah. name was Richard Stolpnagel. And um, he um, came back. I could tell his confidence, his ability to treat patients was off the charts. It was something wow. I was like, I want to be that guy. So when I went to Australia, no, I went to, no, I'm sorry, I went to physical therapy school in Northwestern in 1997. Okay. Graduated in 99 and then went back to California to work. Uh, I worked for a large corporation, a group called Physiotherapy Associates. Yep. Uh, corporate group, There's they still exist here in the U.S. Um, they want to be a big clinic director and mm. start running management. And my head's like, if I don't go to Australia myself now and train and be You're never going to go. I'm never going to go to management, start making money, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. And so they asked me to be a clinic director. I said, you know what? Thank you, but no thank you. And I'm going to Australia. Wow. And that was in 2004. Okay. So I, I took my journey just like Richard did uh, as an example of being, I want to be the best of the best therapist. Went to Australia in 04. Uh, went to the University of Queensland uh, for basically a, a postgraduate. I was going to say, because you already had your degree, yeah, right? It was, it was a, it, it, you know, it's a master's of physiotherapy out there in Australia. Okay. Uh, we, we would equal, call it equivalent to a residency or a fellowship program in the United States. So you okay. kind of like medical school, you finish medical school. Right. And then you do advanced training yeah. afterwards. So I did my PT school training license. Uh, in physical therapy at Northwestern. Sure. Worked for three years uh, in, in Manhattan Beach, actually in California, and then uh, took off to Australia to get advanced training. Mm. So it they called it a master's of minute therapy. That's that's what it was in Australia. I call it a fellowship degree. Sure. To U.S. So, sure. Uh, went out in 2004, spent a year out there, and got my butt kicked. That, mm. that was the most um, eye-opening experience. I know how when my, my uh, colleague, my employer, uh, came back, I could see why he came back. What's um, the difference? What do they do differently than we do yeah, here? Yeah, this is what you going to your conversation of how this all works in, in yeah. medicine as a whole, right? So yeah. Western healthcare as a whole is very, I should say American healthcare, in my <laughs> experience or my, my perception, is very triage-based. Yeah. Right? So x-ray says this, you must have this. Correct. You know, blood test says this, you must have this. Kind of going to your argument about it's very hard to quantify mental health mm. because there's no plain film x-ray. You right. You say, hey, right. you have bipolar ball. There's no, yeah, there's no tangible uh, proof. Correct. Right. So in Australia, yeah, they were you know very old English kind of um, uh, education systems, deductive reasoning, critical thinking, things like that. So sure. it's not so much algorithm based in terms of blood tests as the algorithm based like this. Um, it's more about teaching you to think through a situation. Mm. So in physical therapy, we just call it a, a proper physical examination. So mm-hmm. we do broken into two parts. The proper subjective examination, which is a history, yeah, and like listening to your story. Essentially, in this modern day, what you're doing yourself, yeah, it, <clears throat> excuse me, is allowing people to tell their story, right? Um, so, medicine, uh, especially in more orthopedic medicine, sure, there's no room to tell your story because you have to get in and out because there's, there's so like much back pressure. to back to back to yeah, back. You, you've been thrown into yeah. mill practices and numbers and stuff like that, so there's yeah. no room to tell your story. So in clinical world, we call that subjective examination. Okay. So we take your history. We look at your medical history. We talk about all these different things, medications you're taking, previous injuries you've had, taking all these context of who you yeah. are as a person, even before you test the person, how you watch them move or the strength or where the pain's located. Wow. And then the second part is your basic objective examinations, which is what like, hey, raise your arm up, bend over, you right. know, test your strength, things like that. So right, right, right. You put that com- combined examination together. If you do it very thoroughly, you can get a lot of information even before you try to treat the patient. Mm. And so that's where, you know, I mean, going into the conversation, what we're about to have is, is kind of my, my, a lot of physical therapists are just trained in the U.S. to kind of be very triage based. Right. Oh, you have back pain. Here's your sheet of exercises. Oh, right. 
Um, you have a herniated disc, so let's do this protocol. And that's very, like a very westernized American kind of way of treating things or that's treating life in general. Right, like, right. So, so is it safe <clears throat> to say like, okay, so you might have a back issue because you fell on ice, but maybe there's something before that, that kind of weakened your body so that you actually fell on the ice. So most physical therapists are treating the fall and the effects that come after, whereas you're like, why did that happen? You got to figure, I mean, the answer is yes. So let's, okay. let's say you had three people who fell on ice, the same injury. Sure. But why is one of them in cra crazy, you know, exacerbating pain? Right. They're actually got them fine. They had the same impact, same yeah. injury, same blah, blah, blah. And so why does why is that one person causing pain? And why did it explode? Why is it having pain still five mm -hmm. years later? Mm -hmm. Car accidents, right? This is like yeah. litigation cases, right? Why does a small little fender bender, Allspurson is claiming my neck is killing me? Da, da. Yeah. And, and it might be psychological. It might be secondary. We call secondary gain. We're trying to make money on the situation. Right. You would hope that's not the situation. So, <laughs> But we someone, live in America, so we know. And I, I'm going to come in as a clinical clinician to, to assume that's not happening. Right, right. right. Um, and so you start looking at factors of, of why was that person the one who had pain? Yeah. And you look at their history. Right. So maybe they are hypermobile. Maybe they had previous injuries. Maybe they had a fear of, maybe their father died in an ice right. storm or something. Right. They, they fell into ice, on ice, you know, at an ice lake or something. There's psychological factors. Right. right. So I think the big thing that we want to take home, if you want to talk about physical pain, pain in general, right? So pain is not quantifiable by imaging. Yeah. Right. So pain is not a blood test. You have cancer. Right. Pain is experiential. Right. The biggest thing you have to understand is pain is something that your own brain perceives mm. as pain mm. and it's not something quantifiable by an image. So yeah. So when they're like on a scale of one to 10, how painful is this? It's like, I can't tell you if you're right or wrong because that's your experience. Correct. Okay. Correct. That okay. is the biggest take home that people want to go to get a, see a doctor or MRI right. to say my upper herniated disc, that's why I have pain. Mm. And I'm not saying the herniated disc doesn't cause the pain, but people then get amplified. This gets so fixed on the MRI saying, that's my pain. It must right. be from that. It's like, mm, it may be, but Maybe. there's other factors to consider. So right. The whole point is taking more of a comprehensive approach. Got so it. We talked about our form of physical therapy or my form of physical therapy. It's not like I'm a, I'm Chinese by trade. I'm by trade, by ethnic background. Yeah. I mean, maybe I think by, by more Eastern medicine philosophies, yeah. but yeah, I'm yeah, very yeah. Americanized. I'm, I'm, I, my great grandfather father came here early 1900s. So I'm, right. <laughs> I don't even speak Chinese. So I'm very American. You're not first generation. No, no, right, no, right, 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 right. Maybe there's some influence there, but the point is, 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 you have to look at these in context. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is context. Um, and then you kind of take it from there. Yeah. So I think a lot of therapists and a lot of um, Western medicine does maybe takes in consideration, but they really put it in context. And so my strength in my clinical practice is really this idea of unresolved pain, uh, this idea that why is your pain still there? Mm -hmm. So a lot of therapists do like sports injuries, do a lot of whatever injuries, like, and I can do that stuff. But my, my lane I really do well at is like, we rather than call it chronic pain, we mm -hmm. like to phrase it as unresolved pain. Yeah. This idea there's still hope, there's a mystery, there's still something lingering, not sure. Right. Someone hasn't figured it out yet. Right. You start using the word chronic pain, that means kind of like, hey, you're kind of, you're kind of done with it. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. It's going to be the rest of your life. Right. And maybe that's the case. Right. But uh, we try to create the, the, the phrase of unresolved so that people know that there might be a chance of hope that there's another way around. To or at least at least dissipated, right? Correct. Can we can we make it better? Can Correct. we make it a little bit less worse or whatever? Which I, that makes sense why your book is called Unresolved, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so when are people, I have so many questions, are people receptive? Do they know what they're walking into when they come into your office? For instance, um, if they're used to a traditional, I, I, again, I don't think you're untraditional, but I think you're a little bit more hands-on than a lot of physical therapists. Correct. Do they know that they are going to be asked more questions than just about their actual pain or their incident, if you will? Um, not necessarily. Or do you kind of like blend it in? Like, it's just like, that's the way that you treat people. Yeah. I mean, the first thing we'll say is just they'll sit down and, and usually they'll get referred to say, Hey, go, go see Brian or go yeah. see the clinic motion stability my, my company. Um, they'll say, go see these guys. They'll figure it out. Yeah. No one else can figure it out. Go, they'll figure it out. Got it. So it's that kind of like, okay, they're coming with a sense of like, Hey, I'm, I'm frustrated. I've seen five therapists already, five right. doctors, whatever. It's still it's, here. Still here. Yeah. I, I'm coming to see you because I've, I've been told that you can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And the first thing I'll do is not create such a formal environment. I'll say, okay, just tell me your story. Like, be right. very, I mean, <laughs> our parallels, what we do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other side of the coin, if I had a podcast recording yeah. device, I'd do the same thing with a patient who sat there and say, tell me your story. Right. Like, lay, lay down. I said, how much time do you have? I said, you got, I give a whole hour. Just, right. do, just 
let's talk about this first yeah. before I even look at you. Yeah. In terms of like how your body moves or test you. Let's just, I want to hear the whole mm-hmm. thing first. Tell me all your pains, either currently or previously. Tell me what you sports you played, you know, whatever stressors you yeah. have. Just like, I want to put this whole thing in context to figure out who you are yeah. before I even make a decision on where your pain's coming from. For sure. For sure. And before you even like get up out of the chair and like assess. Correct. Physically hands-on assess. Yep. So we've talked a little bit about, and I know this isn't exactly what you treat, but you can help guide somebody to, hey, you need to um, explore the trauma that has happened in your past, past, or like, hey, you're ready and you're ready to face it head on and we can help the way it's manifesting in your body. So let's kind of jump into that. Um, And I I don't think this is talked about, like we said, it's not talked about a lot, but just like... um, So last episode, I had a client of mine as I'm a personal trainer and my client has Crohn's disease and endometriosis. Mm. And there's such a parallel between your gut health and your brain health. Right. right? So now talking to you, I'm like, this is the exact parallel between past trauma or current trauma and the way it manifests in your physical body. Right. So how much of that do you get into and are versed to treat? Um, so a non-internal medicine doctor. Yeah. Not a functional medicine doctor. Yeah. Not a nutritionist. Uh-huh. Like that. Um, uh-huh. So the interesting thing is um, it's kind of come my way. Yeah. And so let, let me talk more from just from a gut health. Um, there's so much stuff about gut, yeah. psychology, how right. it affects your brain directly. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm cognizant of that, no doubt. My connection is interesting. I was telling you when we did this first, mm-hmm. first phone interview, mm-hmm. I'm, um, it's interesting. We, the more unresolved pain we deal with, the more these issues start popping up. And you ask them, hey, what's going on? Oh, I have Crohn's or I have right. GI issues or right. da, 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 da. I have anxiety. I get bloating, yeah. um, you know, upset stomachs, things like that. And what I was telling you before, it's interesting from a straight biomechanical, right. physiological effect, not necessarily, hey, you have gut health issues. The interesting thing is in the mid-back, which is called your thoracic spine. Yep. So in yep. your neck, is called the cervical spine. Your low back is called the lumbar spine. Um, the nerves in your neck and your cervical spine, your neck is that. Those nerves typically go down your arm or mm. your head. The nerves in your low back typically go down your legs. So like sciatica sure. or arm tingling, things like that. The interesting thing about your thoracic spine, which is actually 12 vertebrae. So in your cervical spine, you have seven vertebrae. So right. seven nerve roots. Lumbar spines to be five or six. Five lumbar nerve roots that go down your spine, uh, down your legs. Thoracic spine is actually 12 vertebrae. So it's 12 nerve roots. Some go down your arm, some yeah. go down your leg. The majority of them actually either wrap around your torso. So if you get um, shingles, that kind of oh, burning yeah. pain around yeah. your torso, that's a thoracic nerve irritation to get these blistering around your torso. But the rest of them actually go down to your gut. Really? So this is where a lot of people don't understand just for a biomechanical straight, like people don't understand you have a herniated disc in your low back, you can get rain pain in your leg. Mm. If you have a nerve injury in your mid-back, that nerve can send inflammation or irritation into your gut mm. and vice versa. So they call that anadromic impulses. So you can leave like a like a, a hose spray of water. If okay. your nerve gets inflamed from your thoracic spine, that can send inflammation into your gut. Okay. That inflammation can manifest in the gut and cause GI issues. Right. Vice versa, you can get a two-way traffic street, mm. traffic road where um, – your gut, if it's inflamed, if you have Crohn's, if you have systemic issues right. or born with GI issues or whatever it is, that inflammation in your gut can actually send inflammation back into the thoracic spine. It's a two-way highway. And then people are like, I have back pain. It's like, well, you've got issues first. Correct. So you can get actually uh, mid-back tightness, mid-back stiffness. Now, the thing that's really, really interesting and that still fascinates me, your thoracic spine, you have your spinal cord that goes mm-hmm. from your brainstem down to your tailbone, and then all your peripheral nerves kind of shoot off your spine from Right. That. Outside your vertebrae of your vertebral column, your spinal column, you have two different nerve chains, one on the left side, one on the right side. They call them the autonomic ganglia. Okay. So if you know your autonomic nervous system, that's yep. broken down to two parts. Yep. Your sympathetic system and your parasympathetic system. Correct. Okay. So um, parasympathetic is your mindfulness, meditation, yeah. calms things down. Yeah. It keeps things going while you're sleeping, just kind of steady state, things like that. Your sympathetic nervous system is something you shouldn't necessarily survive on. Mm. It's there when you need it. Yeah. During headlights. Yeah. You know, fight or flight. Fight or flight. Right. You right. got it. Right. So fight and flight system. That is designed for emergency situations on a natural homeostatic situation. Right. We're all, life is good. No problems. <laughs> also, the car comes in and you honks or someone scares you, tries whatever. That shock system is a 
warning system, fight and flight, get the heck out of here or freeze before you get hurt. Yeah. The problem in society we live in, so much of what you're doing, the work you're doing now, we live so much in that fight and flight mode. Constantly. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Or more than more than we should. Well, right? it's, it's almost mm. like glorified to a certain extent because we all feel like we have to be busy all the time. Correct. And when you're busy all the time, you're stressed about getting things done all the time. Correct. And then that causes more stress. Correct. And, and the, the parasympathetic, or the sympathetic, wait, hold on. Sympathetic. Sympathetic um, nerve system. So that makes total sense. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, that's no, Keep going. So- so the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems are, there's a lot of it's housed in your mid-back through your autonomic ganglia yep. in your mid-back. Okay. So you have these two nerve chains left and right, and then you have thoracic nerve roots that come out of your spine. There's kind of a junction between the two nerve systems that kind of overlap each other. Okay. So okay, now imagine if you got inflammation in your gut, mm. you got inflammation going back from the gut into your thoracic nerve root, back into where it started from T4, T5, T6, T7. Sure. It's kind of typical thoracic nerve roots that innervate your gut. Then you have an autonomic nervous system sitting right there that gets sensitive. They call it sensitization. The nerve gets sensitized or irritated, kind of like a like a sprained ankle. Right. Gets sprained. Right. Gets inflamed, sensitive to touch, and it makes the whole system kind of get out of whack. Mm. And so now it can necessarily sensitize your sympathetic nervous system, which can heighten your fight and flight system. Got it. So now you're th- we call it your threshold, kind of like a um, chemistry step. Yeah. If you had a. a um, put chemicals in that one last drop of sodium also explodes. Yeah. They call it an action potential. So you can ramp up to a certain degree where you can handle some of your stressors. All of a sudden that one person kind of comes behind you or just kind of annoys you. And you're like, yeah. fine, like, stop. Yeah. Like, like yes. you're driving me crazy. You yes. kind of blow, blow the casket off. Yes. Right? A small little honk of the horn. Also, the you tipping have, point. Yeah, tipping point. Yeah. You have this road rage, right? So yeah. Um, <laughs> I knew that well. You essentially have that tipping point in your in your in your pain system. Mm. And so when you have a gut issues, potentially that can send inflammation to your mid back. It can create a tipping point mechanism, action potential into your, not only your thoracic nerve root, but also right. your sympathetic system. Right. So also that can trigger a fight and flight response. You can be maintained through more anxiety, mm. pressure, stress. Vicious cycle. Right. That stress, anxiety, just in life in general. COVID, life in general, sure. watching TV sure. too much, politics. Past trauma. Past trauma. Yeah. Now you have mental anxiety about things. You might even have anxiety disorders, which you know, there's all the different things we can get into that there. But that can heighten your sympathetic nervous system, which can then make your thoracic nerve root irritated. Wow. And that can send inflammation into your gut. Wow. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. It's kind of a very biomechanical junction system. So yeah. my role in physical therapy is not to explain this in mindfulness and gut health and trauma, but I see it from a biomechanical physical standpoint, manifesting to, into it, seeing physical symptoms of pain, of GI issues, mid-back pain. Uh, those nerve roots, T4, especially T3, those nerves go down to your arm. Yeah. So you get tingling numbness into your arm. That's me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole junction of like nerves being sensitized. Nerves can get inflamed. Inflammation sends from that where the nerve gets irritated down the nerve where it goes. Mm. So even if you have uh, a typical herniated disc in your neck. Right. That inflammation in your neck nerve roots can send inflammation down your arm. And it actually can cause inflammation and degeneration of, of physical structures the nerve goes to. So for example, like there's physical uh, scientific evidence showing that people who had history of nerve root injuries or herniated discs and, and radiant pain in their, their arms from a herniated disc in their neck, you can actually develop tennis elbow in your arm or carpal tunnel yeah. because that's where the nerve goes. Got it. And when inflammation goes into those structures, it actually creates inflammation and the inflammation, inflammation then turns into uh, deterioration. It can actually break down the tissues, basically. So is that kind of like where, like, like rheumatoid arthritis or that like joint that's a pain different, comes from? Yeah. A little different. Okay. So from well, that's a that's an autoimmune yeah, disease, yeah, yeah. but um, that sort of like inflammation doesn't help anybody nope. in any sense of Correct. the way. Right. And then it's like you're trying to treat the inflammation when really it stemmed from something in your cervical spine. Correct. So you know, so you can have a cervical spine nerve, a classic herniated disc in your neck, car accident, yeah, fell on your head, riding yeah. a horse or a bike cause radiant pain on your arm. If that er- nerve doesn't get ir- uh, treated properly or in time, the inflammation then collects down where the arm goes, mm. the nerve goes down your arm. So all of a sudden you do a lot of typing, also you develop carpal tunnel a couple of years later. Right. Because you had a preset inflammation into your, down your arm. Right. That didn't get treated out. Um, and then the same person, the same secretary that's sitting next to them, that's doing the same amount of typing, they don't get that. Bingo. So it's like, okay, you go to a regular, or you're not regular, but you go to a physical therapist and they're going to treat you. Okay. Well, it's because you're typing so much and you're doing this and this, whereas they might come to you and you're like, hold on, 
let's back up yep. what happened before. So yes. it's like it's like you do like a zoom out. Correct. Okay. Take okay. that history and then think about where their pains were before. That even the pain calmed down. Right. You have residual kind of we call it like remnant changes or right. shrapnel effects of like these things that kind of laid down cake patterns of inflammation or scar sure. tissue. All of a sudden you play sports or you go whatever mm. with your hands, all of a sudden your hand gets injured. Right. And so you're kind of preset for because it wasn't working at a hundred percent capacity, right? Yep. And a lot of times, just like if you ever sprain an ankle, yeah, you sprain an ankle, inflammation happens, your ankle swells up, it's hard to walk on. Eventually, the swelling calms down, mm. but what you need to know is swelling turns into scar tissue. Mm. So now your ankle, even though the pain calms down, swelling calms down, now your ankle's stiffer. Yeah. And so, because pain is gone and you don't see a sizable swelling, it doesn't hurt. Your brain's like, oh, I'm good to go again. You start running again. Right. Also, your biomechanics change, and then you can hurt your ankle, or you can even hurt your knee afterwards right. because your ankle mechanics affects the rest of the way your leg. Yeah, works. yeah. Which I think, you know, I think Americans are this when we when we start talking about this, it seems very complicated, and sometimes it's almost easier to just like go the easy route or ignore it or just push through because it does sound like this is a process, right? To get to the cause and to really Yep. treat why this happened. So I think a lot of people avoid it. And I think that can be the same with the mental health route too, is like you have something that happened to you when you're five, six, seven, eight years old, that might be in your subconscious. And you don't even know that that's why you're feeling the way you're feeling at 45, yep. but it's going to affect you forever unless you actually take responsibility and be like, I don't want to live in this physical pain or this, this emotional or mental state but it's not until somebody is like, okay, I'm going to spend the time on this. I'm going to get the help I need. Um, and that's the biggest reason I'm like, let's bring you on because I think people don't know where to go. Sure. Right. Sure. And they, they almost feel like I'm at a loss. I have no one to turn to. So I'm so glad that you're coming on and explaining like, Hey, like there might be something way deeper that we need to dive into to give somebody hope that like, yes, these unresolved things can be treated or at least um diminished yeah right yeah so what so when we're talking about the thoracic spine especially in the gut health and the fight or flight it's like it makes so much sense because look at the emotional forget the physical trauma or the playing sports or the whatever but the emotional things that we go through as children that we don't even realize are still with us as adults and we're not this is like my, if I had a sounding board and I had a big, a huge podcast in America, I would talk about this left <laughs> and right, but we don't teach children how to deal with their emotions. Correct. So if you don't know how to deal with something, you don't have the practice, right? If you're, I was a swimmer, if I wasn't in the pool, you know, four or five days a week, I wasn't going to be as good as I was once upon a time. You have to practice. So when we don't have practice dealing with our emotions and we're taught to just like move forward or you're okay, or like we don't actually talk to our kids about what happened, what, why are you feeling this way? You know, all of these things that we should, they're not equipped to deal with being broken up at 16 with the, the love of their life or, or not getting into the college they, you know, their dream school was at 18 sure. or not getting the dream job at 22 or going through a divorce. Like those emotions were never practiced. Mm. So if you're dealing with it the first time as an adult, it's like, hold on, where is this coming from? Oh, it's because I didn't have the practice when so when this happened to me when I was five, six, seven years old. Yeah. So when you're talking about this, thoracic spine, especially, and how it's manifesting in the gut, I think back to the anxiety, the depression, the things that we go through that are probably maybe a cause of some of the stuff that is developing later in life. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of studies about just youth, um, youth perceptions of pain. Yeah. Like, like they actually have shown studies, people who actually play sports. Yeah. Uh, their perceptions of pain are totally different mm. uh, because especially like they're saying like youth football, mm -hmm. you're told like you're going to tackle, you're, it's going to hurt part of the game. So they're, <laughs> Get I mean, ready. They're, there's a flip side because they're told to suck it up kind of. So you as a exactly. swimmer, like you're told to deal, kind of deal yeah. with it. There's a balance, right? Mm. Those who haven't dealt with any pain as a kid also don't know how to deal with pain. True. So there's kind of, I think there's a blend of both, right? True. So like one example, I really appreciate my son who's now turning 13 this week, actually. Um, he played um, a couple of years of a little league baseball and he, he, he played one year where it's the first year kid pitch. 
Mm. And I remember the, the coach was like, he, before even practice started, he said, everybody take a knee. <laughs> Just take a knee. Boys, take a knee. Or girls. I, I think there's girls on the team as well. Yeah. So kids, uh, um, take a knee. Um, this is first year kid pitch. Kids are pitching for the first time. Wait, before, what's kids pitch? So the kids are pitching themselves. Oh, oh, oh. so Sorry. it's not like the dads going out correct. there. Correct. Okay, so the, the okay. year before, all the fathers were pitching yes, to the kids. So they're like, it. what, nine years or, old? Or moms. Or moms. Maybe. Thank Who you. knows? Pa- Whoever. Parents. Parents. Thank you. Parents. Uh, parents pitching. Adults. Adults. <laughs> hopefully. So, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, actually, there were, yeah. so yeah, the answer is adults. Uh-huh. Um, and he said the year before, the parent was pitching or the, uh-huh, the adult uh-huh. was pitching to the kids. So it made it very easy for the yeah. kids to learn to hit the ball. This year, your own teammates oh are going to pitch right. know, to their kids. Right. It's going to be a little more air in the ball. The ball is going to fly a little more. Right. You're probably going to get hit by the ball. Mm. So be aware. It's going to hurt a little bit. Yeah. And when you see the ball coming at you or at the baseball batter bat, make sure you turn your back away from the ball. <laughs> don't turn towards <laughs> the, ball. the ball. Like, don't yeah. face yeah. Ball. like turn your back to get hit by the back. Right. Gonna hurt less than getting in the face, basically. So yeah. let's turn that. And I remember him saying that. I was kind of watching. Why is he doing this? But but he's prepping them from. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. And what happens when the kid gets hit? Even if it hurts, everyone take a knee. If he's going to cry, if it's right. going to hurt, it's going to whatever. You just take a knee and just let the person have his time. Right. Shake it off and go to first base. I love that. It was very interesting. So I mean, I'm sure people say, "Look, that's totally traumatizing." And maybe there's some components of learning to suck sure. it up, but. I also think there's a healthiness to it as well. Totally. Setting expectations yeah. and learning to kind of shake it off on these small injured situations. Right, so right. obviously the big traumatic stuff is a little bit different. Right. Like being hit in the back in the back of the back of the ball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I totally mumbled that. <laughs> That's but, okay. Um, um, you know, it, it's part of the game. Sure. So that parallel of pain as a child. Yeah. If you don't set expectations of pain, things are going to happen. Yeah, we're not, we're, we tend to coddle our children too many times. They don't know how to handle things. Yeah. So when life really sits what's happening, um, yeah, they can have a hard time manifesting. I'm so glad you said that because you have kids and I feel like you have a, there's, there's more clout for you, but I've, I've talked about this a lot in my past episodes. I'm like, I understand I'm not a parent, but I understand we want to protect our kids. We don't want them to ever get hurt or bullied or whatever, nor, nor should they. However, it's practice. Yep. It's practice for the yeah. real world. Like yeah. no one's getting out of here unscathed. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I remember early in COVID I'm like, and everyone was like, oh my God, kids have to wear masks. And I'm like, kids are resilient. Yeah. Like this is actually hopefully going to set them up for great success in the future because they've kind of had to deal with all sure. the crap that we've That's right. been going on for the past three years. And I think they might be more successful than us adults. That's a great point. Because they've had to deal and they've had to transition and learn this way. And, and you know, I remember at first all the parents were like freaking out about it. I'm like, hold on, you're passing your anxiety onto your kids mm. right now. Like, take a deep breath. We're yep. going to figure this out. Like, we're smart. Yep. Human beings are smart, yep. most of us. Um, and this is a this is a, an opportunity for our next generation to have a little bit of practice dealing with this emotional stuff and this, this physical stuff that's going on. And I, I'm not, you know, taking away from the deaths and the, and the pain that this has caused. But I do think there's an opportunity here for our next generation to feel a little bit more well-equipped yeah. going into their 20s, 30s, and 40s than than I was. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Because I didn't deal with any of that back in the day. Or- my, my kids are, uh, all three of them, uh, my, my oldest is 15, then 13, then nine. Yeah. They're all very resilient kids. Yeah. So, you know, so it, it can go either way. Too, right. So. <laughs> right, 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 right. But um, right. I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, our, this generation will be defined by yeah. stuff like this. And yeah. It might be another marker in this generation. So Totally, totally. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to your practice. So when somebody comes in, you're really trying to get to kind of the, I feel like you're almost like a functional medicine doctor just for the physical body, kind you, of. You can probably, yeah, I, I can see the parallels. Right, I'm like not, trying I'm not to figure out what's going on with yeah. somebody. So when you kind of are sitting there and you're realizing this person has some emotional trauma, this person has something in their previous life, or maybe they were physically abused or something that is a little bit deeper and you're trying to do everything that you can, but they're not ready to kind of look at their past Correct. head on. How do you, how do you talk to them? How do you help somebody that's not quite, you have to be ready to help yourself, yeah. right? So how do you deal with that? You know, so the blessing of being a physical therapist is is they're coming to see me because they have a physical pain. Mm-hmm. So they're not thinking I have trauma, right. I have a mental issue. Right. Or if I do, it's not related to my physical pain. So back is hurting, they can't bend. 
foot's hurting. I can't walk. Uh, I have burning pain on my leg. I can't like, do whatever. They're usually coming to see me because it either hurts so much because people can deal with pain. So people don't typically see a physical therapist until it actually gets to a point you can't right. deal with it. Right. Or you have a surgery, right? So I'm in an interesting situation because I can kind of come in from the back door mm. or side door is probably a better word to use. Um, side door to talk about their pain because as you start talking to them, uh, here's here's a great example, uh, especially here in, in Buckhead. If you, if I'm, really, I'm sure you have an yeah. international audience here in, in Buckhead, Atlanta. I mean, people are <laughs> a little more higher socioeconomic income, yeah. wealthier, but yeah. people are also very driven. So yes. a lot of type A personalities. Yes. Um, the clientele you you, you cycle with, yes. uh, things like that. People are very driven, right? Yes. Very focused. You need to have a target on the window, hit this yeah. mark. I'm gonna be number one, right? These are very. I need a measure of success, sex, right? Yeah. And I need to be on top of it, yep. right? So that's very the culture we live in, and totally. in our community we we serve, right? Yep. Um, so as you start talking to them about, okay, your knee hurts or your back is hurting as you're doing cycle classes, but why do you keep doing that? Right. Why well, need to blow some steam? Right. I need to, it's, I'm so stressed out. I got to do it. Okay. So why are you so stressed out? And mm-hmm. I'm not asking these questions. It's through conversation. Right. So I'm not blaming. It's like, why are you, why are you right. doing that? Like, I'm not like, like looking with a microscope going, what, what is this? Through casual conversation, you start talking to them and you start finding sometimes, not everybody, sometimes will say, well, did I tell you? Uh, my dad died of a heart attack mm. when he was 45. Mm. I was five years old. I don't want to be that way. Mm-hmm. So from not only mental trauma, but I guess it can be a form of trauma. Yeah, right? absolutely. So um, someone, their loved one died of something. Yeah. And I want to make sure I don't do that too. Right, so I'm right, going to work right. out because I want to make sure my heart is good. Mm. Right. So they keep writing, 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 but they get hurt thinking that it's a good thing to exercise more, 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 more. Yeah. And so their cardiac cardiovascular health is really good, right? But their physical body can't help, can't right. match it, right? So actually, great, greatest example is like Orange Theory Fitness, right? <laughs> I think the model's great. The, the yeah. idea of like someone myself who's like like out of shape and stuff like that <laughs> to have a target heart range to hit in your orange heart rate. Sure. The model for ninety nine percent of society needs a target to keep your heart rate going at a yes. certain level, health, yes. an hour circuit training. Like totally believe in the model. Then these people go in the class who are predominantly or Dominantly, cardiovascular is so healthy. Mm-hmm. They go in there, they have to work super hard to get their heart up to orange because their, their, their blood pressure is so good. They need that reward. They need that reward. Mm-hmm. And they work themselves so hard, they hurt themselves doing yeah, it. Yeah. So it's very interesting. You see, you're talking about these things and you're just like, you start bringing out these issues. Like, well, did you realize the reason why you rode this so hard is because X, Y, Z? And right. Like, what? And so until you actually can actually talk to them about that component, Yeah, they won't really make the change because they just think they're in, their knee hurts because their knee hurts. Like, right. Well, no, your knee hurts because you keep driving yourself to do so. Right. And you know, for what, what could be image reasons, it could be like for aesthetic reasons, it could be different sure. reasons. Like, there's a lot of different reasons why. Sure. So motivation factors, your, your core values are who you are, previous injuries or previous traumas you've seen from yeah. yourself or other people or loved ones they've experienced, you're trying to make sure you're not that person. Right. Uh, all these things will drive your pain and you start making decisions based upon it. I remember when I used to, um, my first job here when I moved to Atlanta nine years ago was at Flywheel, which mm. is no longer, but it was strictly 45 minutes of, of indoor cycling. That's that's pretty much all we offered. We had bar classes, but that was the cardio component. And I remember I had clients that would take three classes in a row. And like even nine years ago, that was that was like rewarded. That was like, oh my Got gosh, it. you're amazing. Like, did it, how do you like, I want to be like that. And now I think, you know, through TikToks and Instagram and social media, we have more nutritionists. We have more people like you. We have more people talking about like staying in that fight or flight mode, that constant cortisol levels way up here. Your body is like trying to go, 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 go. It's actually doing the exact opposite of what you're thinking you're doing for your body. And it can be very detrimental to your health. I actually interviewed, um, a woman named Kim Shaper Shaper two years ago, and she's in her forties. And she's like, I walk and I lift and I'm in the best shape of my entire life. And she used to, you know, she struggled with eating disorders and, um, she would work out, you know, four hours a day. And like that used to be, the measure of success with the physical body being able to do that. And now we're realizing like it's the complete opposite, but it's now finally being talked mm-hmm. about. It's now being shared. Yeah. You know, and it's like, even for me, I've slowed down a lot. I used to teach 15 classes a week at Flywheel and my, my body was beaten up. I was gaining weight. I didn't have time to lift and work on strength training. I lost my voice. I developed vocal nodes. Like it did wow. the exact opposite and I felt like a fraud. I'm like, how can I talk about being healthy when I don't feel that way? 
um, which I could get into a whole fitness instructor yeah. <laughs> podcast about that. But it just goes to show that when we have a doctor sitting in front of us being like, I understand why you're doing that and your reasons are valid, but it's causing this. Yep. And really trying to help somebody understand that versus just telling them you need to stop working out, right? Because people don't want to be told what they have to stop doing. Yep. But what you're trying to do is trying to get them to understand the way that the body works and the brain and being like, okay, what if we just backed off a little bit here and a little bit here? And, and, and yes, you have these exercises to do as well, but really getting them to understand that it's almost doing the complete opposite of what they're trying to do to make themselves Correct. healthy, Correct. right? Absolutely. Which is the, probably the hardest part of your job. Yeah. You know? And, and, and as a clinician, if, if, if they're not hearing it or right. they're like, look, I'm just not going to change it because I, I, I hear you, but I can't. Um, so what do you do? do we, you, we readjust expectations. You do? And just say, okay, You that's still great. treat them? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so, you know, and if, if it's something psychologically disordered, I'll right, refer right, right. to somewhere else. Right. But, like, look, I have to do this because I have to do it. Uh, I, I, I hear you. I understand. Yeah. But I have to keep doing this because yeah. whatever reasons. And if they're legitimate, I said, look, fine. But let's know that your expectations are going to be tampered a bit. Right. So just know right. that some pain may physically continue to happen. Right. Let's make some modifications so that it'll be a little bit more right. bearable. Well, it keeps you in business. <laughs> yeah. But, and that's not my motive. I, 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 I know. I know. I know. Yeah. But I hear yeah. you. So, like um, McDonald's keeps me in business. Right. As a physical therapist, I'm like, all right. If that's what, or as a, as a personal trainer, I'm like, if that's what you want to do, then I'm here to help you, you know, but you know, I will say that actually it's interesting because people do exercise for one. Some people just exercise for just general good health. General sure. health. Some people truly exercise because it becomes an addiction. Mm. And you've seen that in your flywheel classes. Totally. I mean, they, that three classes in a row, they're getting some kind of endorphin release that, you know, can, can combat the cortisol levels that are ramping that they need to find a way to calm it down. Right. So that all of a sudden your brain gets addicted to this chemical that gives you relief right. mentally by the exertion of your physical body. Yeah. Again, a good thing to exercise. Yeah. Um, but when you get addicted to it, yeah. Screen time, there's yeah. other forms of you know alcohol. There's other forms of addictions. Absolutely. Exercise becomes one of them at times. Yeah. And those are the ones you're like, okay, let's let's yeah. really talk about this because I can't get you past this threshold if right. you continue to be addicted right. by this. So yeah. um those are conversations that don't happen all the time. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to scare people, everybody that comes my way. But you're them. equipped to have them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and do you do you equate that to your experience in Australia pretty much? Yeah. Or, I mean that's, that's so in Australia going, you know, they, they taught me just to sit there and who's this person? Right, exactly. What's the history and look at their other physical injuries they've had in the past currently what sports have they played? What drove them? Were they were they the stud, stud you know, sp- uh, right. baseball pitcher or swimmer? Right. Were they always used to being right. number the number one? one yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if they come into a work environment or yeah. you know, now they're uh, CEO of executive uh, of a corporation, they gotta be number one. Like there's right. there's all these things that have to maintain right. that kind of status or that mindset and stuff like that. So all these different psychologies you play with with uh, the physical pain being an outcome of of that. Right, right. So. I think it just goes to show, um, I always say this like you know, I don't know how much of, of my story that, you know, but I work out a, because it's my job and I, that's, I I like to, but it's mostly for my mental health. Mm. Um, I was, when I was probably like 26, 27, 28, quote unquote, air quotes here, the best shape of my life. I was 20 pounds lighter than I'm, that I'm at now. And I was doing it in a very, very, very unhealthy way, but I looked the part I lived in LA. I, you know, looking at me from the outside, I was in the acting space and like, but I was going home and, and treating my body very poorly. And now I look back and I'm like, your physical being means nothing without your mental health. Mm. Like you can look the part, but if you're not mentally well, that doesn't matter. And once you get to that place in your life, you kind of let go of that physical facade. And I look at it vice versa with people like, like when you were just like, I'm out of shape, whatever. But I'm like, that's not the be all and the end all. If you're, if you're, you know, your arteries are clear and you're physically, you know, insides are good, right? You're eating healthy and you may not have a six pack or whatever, but you're solid in who you are. You you feel mentally capacity or um, mentally able to face the world. Who cares what your outer shell looks like to a certain extent? That's right. That's you know, right. that's right. Like that's where I'm at now, and I think that comes with age. It too. comes with age, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes with not living in LA. Although Atlanta is, I don't know if it's much better. But you get to this place when you realize, okay, at the root, um, at least speaking for myself, the root of my happiness is when I 
put my head down on the pillow. What am I thinking about? What am I feeling in my head? Yep. Not what I look like in the mirror. Yep. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, self, self-identity right now yeah. uh, of who you are is, is so key right now these days. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get religious on you. I'm, I'm, I come from a Christian background yeah. as well. So ideas yep. is, you know, what God are you serving? Are you serving sure. yourself versus a God that you call yourself as a savior and stuff right, like that? Right, so right. there's, again, I'm not trying to get um, religious, but, but yeah. the idea is, is, is looking at yourself and, and asking really what are your, what is your really core value of who you are? Right. Who are you trying to serve? Are you right. trying to serve someone else in, in LA and try to look good right. apart to please other people? Right. Or are you internally yourself yeah. pleased with who yeah. you are internally? And in my twenties, you know, that's, that's what I thought was important, right? So you can't, you can't diss anyone that's going through that. And if that's what you think and that's what you value, like it's your own life, right? Yep. I can't, I'm not here to judge anybody. Yep. Um, but for me, it was finally taking a look in the mirror and being like, okay, life's way more than just what I look like, you know, and I'm not, I wasn't in a good place. So you, we, we were talking before we sat down. I said, if we have time, we'll do this. You started asking me about my experience, my yeah, past I with, loved. with swimming, um, so I was like, yeah, if we want to talk about this, sure. You can kind of like treat me as a, as a, a pro, uh, what is it called? Um, a patient. A patient. I was going to say a prototype. Yeah. I'm like, that's the wrong word. But now I you was. That when you were a college swimmer, you were probably a prototypical swimmer. Well, I didn't swim in college. Oh, I didn't. Right. No. So I started when I was three. Okay. So I could literally swim across a full length pool at three years old. Wow. I was also, I'm huge. I'm a giant, right? So I like had that. You had the length. I had the length. I had the reach. I was like the, the Michael Three years Phelps. old? Three years old, I could swim, but it wasn't until I was five that everyone was like, you need, everyone told my parents, like, get her on the swim team, get her. And they waited till I was five. I joined the swim team at five. Okay. I, won, I think I won states when I was six wow. against eight-year-olds. So it was wow. eight and under. Okay. Obviously, I had an advantage because I was larger. And um, so I swam competitive, competitively from five years old till I was 17 and a half, almost 18. And there was a lot going on in my teenage years that my parents, you know, they were like, you're, there's too much going on with your mental health. If you don't want to swim anymore, you don't have to wow. swim anymore. But I qualified for nationals when I was 13. Wow. I was the youngest at the time to qualify for state YMCA state nationals in Florida. So I had all of this, um, you know, the way I felt successful was by winning. Okay. I think. And I, we were pushed. We had a coach who is no longer with us. Um, his name was Dick. He could very much be one okay. at times. Okay. He was very old school. So he only coached us the way that he knew. Yep. Right. And it was distance, distance, distance. You get in the pool and you swim grind, every single hard. night, go, go, grind, go. grind, yep. grind. You lift weights, you do the Versa climber yep. or the Versa. Uh, there was this machine that you pushed off the wall. Anyways, yep. we were doing that, I think starting at like 11 or 12 and then you'd go and swim in the pool. And then in the summers, we'd do doubles. We'd be morning yep. and nights. And I got to a place where my left knee was all jacked up. My left shoulder was all jacked up. And it just wasn't fun anymore. Fun anymore. Yep. And I still have residual pain from all that. But it's kind of at this place, like you're talking about with some of your patients, where you just are like, it's going to be there. Yep. You know? And that's kind of where I'm at. It's not severe enough to be like sitting here in pain. But sure. when I'm doing certain exercises, feel I it. feel it. I'm like, oh, it's probably from when I was, you know, 14, 15 years old still, Yep. which is wild that we are going to carry this stuff forever when yeah. you think about it. Yeah. So, so use sports. I mean, like, we can go toys. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure which direction I'm going to go with this, but use sports <laughs> at that 13 to 15 age Yeah. when your body's literally developing, developing the cells in your body uh -huh. are changing your uh -huh. ligaments, your muscles, your joint capsules, everything's shifting bone. Everything's just morphing. So the greatest example is like is we've seen soccer players who mm. the kid plays when they're three and they're a star soccer player. Yeah. And, and, you know, they say they kick mostly with their right leg and they stand to the left and, and yeah. they kick the leg. They'll literally over time create a bow legginess in their left leg because they stood to the left leg more than their right. Wow. Their right leg. So you get physical changes in your body that adapt while you're like, you know, six to 16, 16 years old. If you play one sport all the time, your right. body will adapt to that sport. Yeah. So your shoulders being a freestyle roll forward, swimmer, roll forwards, yep. your sockets are probably more hyper, they call it hypermobility, yep. but a socket, the capsules are more loose. Um, you might be strong, you're fit muscle wise, but the joint integrity right. has, has adapted to 
swimming. Yep. I play tennis my whole life. I'm left-handed. Mm. My right my left shoulder, if you can see my shoulder, my shoulder is stiffer yep. than my right one because my shoulder, I just cranked on the ball constantly serving, 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 yeah. serving. Yeah. And it hurt. I hurt when I served, I played till I was 18 as well. Wow. And I just gave it up. Like, so yeah. not to the level you, you swam. I was never a national champion or, or, or state yeah, champion, yeah, yeah. but I played at a higher level. And my shoulder still is locked up from yeah. that. It's, you get these biomechanical adaptive changes that yeah. don't address them as now in my late 40s. Right. You have these small things there. So you think you're doing symmetrical exercise, doing bench press or cycle classes or whatever. These classes are designed to do symmetrical things. Right. But you'll have one, bo- one body Prominent part. side takes over. Is one side. It's dominant side. Yeah. Mechanical yeah. changes. Things like that. And you think you're doing symmetrical work, but you're actually right. not. Right. Because, nope, I mean- unless you know what you're doing, most people are training bilaterally. They're not going in like, okay, I need to do single leg or, you know, whatever, which hopefully there's a shift. I, I, you know, I could talk about fitness and, and exercise totally separately, but I think, I hope that most fitness instructors are now not just focused on being a, a cycling coach or whatever, but actually like paying attention to people. Like I see it all the time. I'm like, oh gosh, that person is really giddy up on the left side and the yep. right side not so much, so that dominant side starts to take over, That's right. That's right. which is crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with my story. I know you were you were kind of like asking me about my development through those years and kind of what yeah. I still feel. And um, but for me, like I was saying, it's not at the point where I'm like in pain all day long that I need to like sure. go and address it, but. What are some things that people can do or people can be on the lookout um, to kind of help prevent some of these, you know, issues as we grow up as adults or like basic, um, like, do you really focus on stretching or uh, foam rolling or I have it like one of those Theraguns, like the DMS, the muscle stimulator guns, like anything that people can do to start taking care of their bodies more than just like. Yeah, good, good question. What we're doing my, now. My brain's kind of processing <laughs> like, like, like preventative medicine, self-care, rec- yeah, recovery yeah, yeah, work is yeah. so much in that stuff. There's a bunch of stuff out there. And, yeah. And, and hypervolts and, you know, massage guns and lasers right. and, and infrareds, they're all good stuff yeah. in, in when it's needed. Right. So the hard part, the lane I play in physical therapy is kind of knowing when and where. Mm. And it really depends on who the person is. Got it. Um, so even like foam or stretching, like the classic example, like yoga, like right. yoga be wonderful. Yoga is a wonderful practice, yeah. but someone is completely hypermobile and their shoulders like you, I'm not sure how hypermobile your shoulders are from swimming, yeah. but your arms might reach really far back because they did, you know, doing butterfly swim or right, whatever. Right. Also you go to yoga and they're telling you to do some kind of word move and twist and stuff like that. And your arms go farther. It's too look, much. It's too much. Right. Right. And so you look around the class, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at this because you know, everyone else can't do this, but I can do this. Mm. So it gives you almost a self-reward when you compare yourself in the class. Mm. The hypermobile people are actually typically the ones who get hurt, actually. Really? So it's either the way really stiff people who are just so stiff they can't even bend over. Right. Um, it's all the way really hypermobile people who are like the ones who are best in shape. And they're the ones who gets hurt. Like, why did I get hurt? Right. It's like, no, like yoga as, as a whole, just like Orange Theory. Right. Great practice. But if you don't for the right person, for the person right. or the right body type or the previous injuries you've had, or right. the body, you know, if your joints hypermobile or stiff or scar tissue, if you don't know that by yourself, then you might get hurt. So right. it's hard because a lot of people have asked me, like, hey, as a physical therapist, why don't you go into injury prevention? Why don't you mm. go into a bunch of stuff like that? Get people prepared so they don't get injured. And I'm like, Two, two reasons why. One, everyone's different. Yeah. So to give a blanket yeah. exercise of, hey, that's everybody foam roll. Right. Everybody massage gun. Everybody. Right. I have a hard time asking, saying that question. I think there's a lot of research and things, evidence of why those things work for yeah. some cases. Um, and then the flip side is pain's relative. Right. So you might, because you're an athlete, you might have crazy pain and you just don't even know it because you're going to block <laughs> it out. But it's relative because you've been trained to kind of, your threshold of pain's probably higher than most yeah. people, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I deal with more unresolved or really the end fail kind of the, the last like I'm done with it because I can't. Last resort. Last resort-ish. Ish, yep, yep. Yeah. So the yeah. idea is, is I can't find a solution. I'm tired of this. you kind of broken down. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to capitalize on it. I just know that that's where my lane is. Because then then truly people are much more open to talking about things because right. you're, you're at the vulnerable state. Right. And that's all. That could be addiction therapy. That could be right. a, lot, a lot. You get those kind of, um, you know, those pinnacle moments where you're like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Can't do it anymore. I, I got to shift it. And that's, that's you, you mean your whole stuff you're talking about. Right. Where people aren't ready to make that step. Right. 
a lot of laying your time about this podcast is, is helping them give information right so that a couple of the viewers or hopefully a lot of the viewers are like wow i really need to take care of this right and they will take the ownership or themselves. at least explore like yeah. okay let me all right maybe that is the way i deal with things okay all right let me be more aware of that right yep. so what would you say to somebody because when somebody is in pain you can be the happiest person in the world, but if when you're in pain and you can't do something physically that you've always been able to do or that you want to do, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're, you know, Ed Milet or Tony Robbins and the strongest sure. mental people in the world. If you're in pain, it's going to affect you mentally. Yep. Right. So what would you say? Again, hard to do a blanket statement, but what would you just say to somebody that is in such physical pain that it's really taking a toll on their mental health? Um, put you on the spot. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to say that. What, what would I say to someone's in physical pain that had mental health issues? That no, that it's affecting the way that they're moving through life mentally. Got it. Right, so like I, it's getting in the way of their their happiness and their success or whatever it is in their own life. Yeah, I mean, my, my lane. Like, I think you're talking about like like childhood trauma, like this idea of like once you know the source of why it's coming from. Yeah, it there's so much more validation. Mm. Because by the time people come to me, they just don't have the answer. Right. And they've been told that their back is hurting because they're hurting any discs. They're told that they have plantar fasciitis because right. they have certain reasons. And they're frustrated because they can't run. They can't right, lift. Right. They can't carry. Um, until you tell them why it's fully happening, mm. then they go, it's funny. I, I'm actually quite, quite surprised because a, a lot of my clients will say, wow, you actually told me what's happening. It's not like I don't care if I don't get better anymore. But the fact I actually know why it's happening now mm. for the first time after seeing x amount of practitioners listening to certain things or trying or try to be mindful and try to combat it mindfulness wise. Right, right. But if there's a physical reason why it's causing it, um, at least I understand that reason why. Yeah. That knowledge of actually having that keyto- keystone event where key uh, key turn event where you can say, I get it now. Right. It's from the injury I had from my ankle when I was a kid. Da, da, right. Da, da. Right. And they fully grab it. You you'll see their pain responses in amplification calm down. Wow. By the mere fact they actually understand why. Yeah. So Pain, then, if you start getting this pain, go to your original question. Once you get this pain, you don't know what's happening. It creates more anxiety. Right. And it drives you crazy. And you're like, I don't know why it's happening. Right. I and I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do. I can deal with some pain, but right. it's driving me crazy. And I don't know why. Do I have to do this the rest of my life? Right. Is it going to affect the way I work or raise my kids or play my sports? Yeah. That eventually I don't know what right. I'm going to do. And that yeah. creates even more of an implication. That flying flight system, going back to the sympathetic nervous yeah. system, then amplifies more. Full now, circle. Now your gut starts hurting. You get yeah. the stomachs. You're bloating. You have GI issues. I mean, this whole vicious cycle starts until you find that one key switch. And that could be someone who's, who's a mental health coach. Mm. We all have our different lanes to access certain people to say, this is the reason why. Right. So my lane is the, phys- the physical component that's driving the pain. That's then causing the mental anxiety to be yeah, more. Yeah. That's where I do really well with. Okay. It's not the other person who has mental anxiety disorders. Right. Who right. has a back problem. Right. Which we have patients like that. It's like, look, we can help you to a degree, but you truly need to see a trauma counselor, a psychologist, psychiatrist. You may need an SSRI. You might need mm-hmm. a medication. Mm-hmm. You might need to see a doctor before we address this. You might need a medication or talk to a counselor before we just, and we do it together as a team. Yeah. So- our, like I said, our lane is to, to, if we know the physical pain is driving it right. and then amplifying the, the mental, mental health, is coming later. Right. Right. We can, we can address that. Yes. Well, and it sounds like you're giving that person hope like, Hey, like we, like, I know that you're struggling. I know this is frustrating. I know that, um, this physical pain is causing you this mental trauma right now. And you're giving people hope like, Hey, let's, let's figure out why this physical pain is manifested this way. Let's address it. Let's fix it. And that's going to take some anxiety, some relief off of, you know, your everyday life. Like that's huge. Just giving people that hope, but it's the same thing, vice versa. Like you're talking about if it's the mental side first, um, it's that moment of realizing you're not fixing yourself. You're understanding yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So when people are like, Oh, that's why I am the way I am. It it presents this relief. So whether that's a mental relief or a physical relief, it helps them move to the next step of not placing blame or not feeling like they're messed up in the head. It's it's literally just like there's nothing wrong with you, but let's understand why it's this way. Yes. And let's address it. Yep. You know, yep. it's just a mental shift in either capacity. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, and then once you know that, then you still need interventions, right? right? So right. counseling, I mean, even 
uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah. there's, there's talk therapy, there's EMDR, there's brain spot, yeah. there's, there's interventions that can actually get to your subcortex that can actually change neuroplastic changes in your brainwave patterns, right? So there's now interventions scientifically happening these days uh, that can actually reverse cycles. Yeah. So physically, we can dry needle a muscle that has trigger points. Right. We can, do, we can reverse changes to a lot of degree. Yeah. Um, gut health. There's yeah. all the stuff with functional medicine and, and, and nutritional stuff that I'm, I'm not skilled enough in talking about. Yeah. But, but it's all related. All this stuff all yeah. kind of ties together. Yeah. And so, you, you know, for someone who's got GI issues, mental issues, and physical right. pain, right. the answer is probably yes to all three. <laughs> it's you triple need to whammy. Find, well, this is an integrative approach. You need to see somebody or a team of people right. that can work together as a team. That's right. That's I have right. um, typical spine doctors, uh, functional medicine people, acupuncturists, nutritionists. Yeah. We trust. We collaborate together with. We talk to them. And we work as a team. Right. And we kind of just go together as a team. Yeah. And as a patient understands that, they take ownership, know who they need to see exactly. for certain situations or certain time and situations. And then they take ownership. And that's yeah. that's the beauty of, of, of the whole situation. So, And it's taking responsibility and really finding somebody that you trust and that you can talk to like yourself. Like yeah. if you if your doctor sends you to a physical therapist and you're not feeling after one, try somebody else, go to somebody else. Like same thing with a counselor or a therapist, therapist, like be your own advocate. And if you're not driving with that person and they're not driving with you, then move on to the next person. And that I think can be the most frustrating, exhausting part of any sort of physical or mental yeah. side of things is like, you have to try, you have to put the time in, you have to do the research, you have to find somebody, you have to find a team. But if you're in so much pain physically or mentally, and you don't want to be that way in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, you're going to have to do the work. Yep. Well, as I say, actually, the person who referred me to you is Kate, yeah. Lip Kate Lipton, actually. Yeah. And I'm sure she's fine. I wasn't sure. I was like, no, is she fine. okay she's, with us? Kate, love you. I'm, so I'm sure she's She'd fine talking fine. about yeah. She's fine. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's on your podcast. I listened to her podcast and we, we've worked together. Yeah. Uh, and she's uh, she actually, when you said the whole idea of taking ownership, understanding these components, she actually she actually highlights that whole, she lives that lifestyle. She does. Uh, functional medicine, nutrition, yep. uh, physical body health, yep. mental health mindfulness, trauma therapy, physical pain. She's a recreational therapist herself. I yeah. Mean, there's some amazing stuff she does for herself to take care of herself. It's, it's absolutely amazing, actually. So I've learned a lot from her. Yeah. Uh, and then connections to you. There's that whole same circuit. We're all trying to do the same thing. Absolutely. Lanes, so. uh, this has been amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the same approach, whether it's your mental, you know, health or your physical being and just, um, a being aware and realizing something's not right. I'm not feeling great. And also like living in a world where we're just taught to push through things like we need to live in a world where people are living amazing lives and healthy lives and feeling so good and successful at the same time and being like, no, 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 that is the ideal happiness for me is mm. that everything is working, your system, your body, everything is working cohesively but that doesn't come easy and you're going to have to put some time and energy into it, but you only get one shot. So why not? Yeah, why right. would you waste time yeah. feeling a certain way? You know? So I'm so glad that you're doing the work you're doing and like we're bridging the gap here. I think this is incredibly, um, hands down one of my favorite podcasts so far is to be able to talk about this. I would love to bring you on again and maybe get like you know, I know you're, you're saying you're not well-versed in some of this stuff or equipped, but I do think like the gut health stuff mm. and like talking about maybe some of the the nerves and all that would be cool to dive into a little bit more, yeah. like very specifically, Absolutely. or maybe you should start your own podcast. I should do have a podcast. Actually, you but do? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's actually kind of unresolved actually. So it's actually, so the book, the book I gave yes. you, it's just the same yes. title. Um, so, yeah. okay. So Dr. Brian, Yee, go pick up his book. It's called unresolved harnessing your movement story to end chronic pain. Yep. And then your podcast, where can we find it? Everywhere? It's on Apple Podcasts, Apple Spotify Podcast. mostly, uh, but it's called Unresolved as well. I love uh, it. It's only eight, eight episode series that kind of highlights the book and talks about why your your chronic pain is there. So Feeling we, the way you are. Yeah. And we, we quantify this phrase called your movement story. So yeah. the, way, the way your body moved your whole life since you were three swimming yeah. Yeah. to the reasons why you kept moving and, and even motivational factors, other traumas you've had, physical injuries, as well as mental traumas and your body's physical manifestation of it basically. And so I'm the book had the story of it. Yeah. So it's, it's a fun podcast. My, my colleague Dara Shah, who we, we work together, we kind of do this dialogue of, of pain from yeah. a physical therapy perspective. So I love that. I'm going to have to give it a listen. So where can we find you if we live in Atlanta? How can we, yep. obviously you probably need a doctor's referral. Actually you don't. Actually. You don't. Yeah. So physical therapy. So I can come and see you. So it's called direct access. Okay. Uh, technically in the state of Georgia specifically, every state's different. Uh, you can see a physical therapist without a physician referral for the first eight visits. Really? That's, that's, 
uh, it's been like seven, eight, ten years maybe that we've had this modified direct access. I had no idea. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know that. Do so, you take insurance? Most, most insurance. Uh, so, so my practice is called Motion Stability. Okay. It's in Buckhead on Far Road. Uh, I have a two-option practice, so it's kind of a weird way to look at it. But people know insurances. There's out-of-network insurance right. and in-network insurance. Okay. So I have four to five therapists to take out-of-network insurance. Okay. Uh, we call them our senior therapists. I have then two to three therapists that take in-network insurance. Got I it. call my clinical staff therapists. We kind of have a teaching model in our, in our clinic. So people who want to use insurance, they can see our staff therapists. They're great therapists. Uh, we have kind of a, like a teaching model. So residents and fellows. Um, I'm, fac- I'm a faculty at Mercer University at the physical oh, therapy wow. school. Yeah, yeah. And so we have a fellowship residency training program there. So cool. we have younger but really highly qualified top-level people, therapists who are in taking insurance, yeah. we mentor them. Okay. And then as they kind of graduate through the fellowship residency programs, they go to the senior practice, out of network, um, need more concierge time, right. one patient per hour, uh, closed private rooms. Right, you right. Know, just you deal with yeah. someone who has a little more skill sets yeah. or niche practices. So I do a lot of nerve pain. I do a lot of golf injuries. Yeah. Unresolved pain is a blanket hole. Uh, one of my therapists, Deanna, does uh, pelvic, no, pelvic pregnancy postpartum work. Yeah. Dara Shaw does... Um, um, uh, pelvic pain, yeah, uh, which is a lot of trauma. Stuff. Absolutely, you, you would have a great conversation with her. Would love to have uh, her Stephanie on. Yeah. is a Ironman triathlete, so she does Ironman tra- uh, uh, Ironman triathlete coaching, as well as injuries with Ironman triathletes. Um, Victor is either a therapist of mine. He does a bunch of foot injuries. He's a break dancer. So wow. there's some some um, nuances we have based upon the skill sets we have. And that, it sounds like it's, it's it's a team effort, and we work right? collaboratively together, right? right? So somebody has a patient that comes in, you're like, hold on, let let's teamwork and get yep. and strategize, and then treat from there. It's like, yep. How many therapists are in your office? Seven. Wow. Yep. So we're yeah. So we're 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 a small mom and pop practice, similar, okay. similar to my, my dad's uh, pharmacy, where we kind of yeah. take care of our people. Yeah. We're not a bill practice. We don't double book. We make sure patients are taken care of individually and we give them the time they need Love to tell it. their story and then treat them individually. Do you do, just, this is a selfish question. Do you do dry needling? I do. Perfect. Yep. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Got it. Well, Dr. Brian Yee, I'm so excited that you came on and find him in Atlanta at Motion Stability on Far Road um, on Apple Podcasts called Unresolved and then grab his book. Thank is you. it on Amazon? It's on Amazon. I got I, I got a signed copy, okay. <laughs> but just so everyone else can get theirs. Thank you so much, Brian. This is great. Megan, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. The biggest compliment I ever receive is when you like the episode, you share it with your friends and your family or a stranger that is in need of hearing this information and from these beautiful guests, and then also to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I would also love to hear from you. So if you would like, you can DM me at six feet above podcast on Instagram, or send me an email six feet above podcast at gmail.com. So that's six, the number six feet above podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, your suggestions, and also any guests that you would love to hear from in the future. Thanks for listening.